This is Reverend John Ferret, and we're in the continuing Bible study that's entitled The Gospel According to Moses on the Book of Exodus. We're now in Lesson 48, and we're going to be focusing in on Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 through the end of the chapter, verses 18 through 26. Now, for the past several months, if you have been following these podcasts, and involved in this Bible study on Exodus, for the past several months we've been stuck on verses 1 through 17 of chapter 20, dealing with the concept of Aseret HaDevarim, the ten statements that we normally call the Ten Commandments. We went into depth, and we had 30 separate podcasts on those Ten Commandments, and again, it's amazing <laughs> Um, to study the Asarit HaDevarim, the Ten Statements, the Ten Commandments, in their historical context. It, it, it's just really amazing. We find that when we do that, so much is added for us that enriches our understanding and takes us deeper into His Word. Like, do not commit adultery or do not steal. Uh, it's just amazing stuff. And we found that the way the Hebrews understood them, the Asrit Chadevarim, the Ten Statements, the Ten Commandments, back in 1446 B.C., carries into our day in a more intense and realistic way. I mean, it really makes sense when we read the Ten Commandments after we put it to historical context to see how it helps us in our modern day. Did you miss them? Hey, there's no problem. Um... You can go to the website, www.lightofmenorah.org. Light of Menorah, treated as one word. And Menorah is spelled M-E-N-O-R-A-H. Go there. When you get to the homepage, look at the top right-hand corner, and you'll see the word Other Resources. Click on that. Then that'll open up a little menu, and you can click on Podcast Playlists. And this will open up a brand new page after you click on it, scroll, scroll down with your mouse, and all of all the podcasts, everything I do is organized into organized, or you might say, rational playlists. That maybe make a little sense. So the Ten Commandments themselves, since it's in the book of Exodus, it's in the playlist on the book of Exodus, or... I've created a separate playlist just for the Ten Commandments, and you can click on that. And so what you do is that you have a, a, an excellent way for your own personal Bible study, or if you wanted to get a Bible study group together and your home and to use these as a focus of studying the Ten Commandments, for instance. So it's not only good for your personal I know many of you have your own personal Bible reading, which is great to do, but you need to add personal Bible study as well, and this may be one option for you. Well, let's begin our study. We're going to take a look at Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to read verses 18 through 21 from the New American Standard. And all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, and when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen, but let not God speak to us, or we will die. 
Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. So the people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. Now God had just given the Ten Commandments. And these are the words of God right after that at, at, at Sinai. Now the Ten Commandments are the Sinai Covenant. God said it in his own words. You can take a look at it in Exodus 34, 28. God said that these are the words of my... These Ten Commandments are the words of my covenant. And we have to recognize that all of this is truly an amazing event. God enters into a special covenant with one group of people. And Israel doesn't deserve it. You, you can see this over and over and over again. That God says there's nothing special about the Hebrews. Recall this in what Yahweh, the Lord, says in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. Know then, it is not because of your righteousness that the Lord your God is giving you this good land to possess, for you are a stubborn people. Remember, do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to the wrath in the wilderness. From the day that you left the land of Egypt until you arrived at this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. God has got a, a real hard criticism against these people who he chose as his special position, a possession. Same chapter, Deuteronomy 9, verses 13 through 14. The Lord spoke further to me, saying, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stubborn people. Now listen to this. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make you a nation mighty, mightier and greater than they. That, that's just awesome. God even wanted to destroy them. So God is really not picking these people, Israel, the Hebrews, because they're special in some sense. They have some special sense of righteousness or some special moralness before God. Matter of fact, if you take a look at Deuteronomy 14, verse 2, God says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Now, we Christians, we take a look at this and say, Oh, they're a holy people. That means they must have some special, um, a special level of holy uh, of of spiritualness of righteousness of of goodness before god it doesn't say that at all all holy means the word is kadosh is means separate set aside so when we go back to uh deuteronomy 14 verse 2 don't read it as oh you're some special people or you're you're so righteous before god uh because you're a holy people no you are separate to the Lord your God. You have been set aside by the Lord your God, for he's chosen you. Because remember, we take a look at the criticisms that God has made against Israel and against the Hebrews. And why is why are they chosen? Now there's probably two reasons. First, it's the promises to Abraham. You can go back to Genesis 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. 
And God promises Abraham descendants. These are the descendants of Abraham. So when you talk about the Hebrews, we have to go back that they're chosen more than likely because it's results to the promise that God made Abraham, who chose God chose Abraham. And second, God said he would use the Hebrews. He would use the Hebrews to have a special status in the world. We go to Isaiah 42, verse 6. And in there, it says, I am the Lord, I've called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. Another way of reading that is a light to the world. Then we go to Isaiah 49, 6. God says, he says, Is this too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel? I will make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. They're the light of the, they're a light to the world. They're the light of the world. They're bringing God's salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, what's really fascinating here is the word salvation, especially used in this context, is the word Yeshua, which is Jesus' name. So you can actually read Isaiah 49, verse 6, that ending phrase there, that you will bring my Jesus, my Yeshua, to the ends of the earth. Now, we see how all of this is finished in Jesus. Just like Paul says, all of the Bible, its, it's target is Jesus. Yeshua, God's salvation. And we remember this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We read, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Yeshua, God's salvation, is saying you'll be my witnesses. In other words, you're the ones who experienced me. You were the ones that actually saw and heard me, God's salvation. And you're going to bring that, bring me, bring God's salvation, Yeshua, to the ends of the earth. And all of a sudden, we go all the way back and we see how God chose Israel. And it really is for the purposes of bringing Messiah. So the giving of the Ten Commandments, the Asrei Tchadevarim, the Ten Statements, was an explosive, unbelievable event. But God, here, in Exodus chapter 20, and starting in verse 18, shows how unbelievable and how awesome this event really was. So let's go back and read Exodus chapter 20, verse 18 again. All the people perceived... Now, that word perceived there, when you go to the Hebrew, it means all the people saw with their eyes the thunderings and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet, the sound of the shofar. That's exactly what it says 
in the Hebrew, the sound of the shofar and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at the distance. This is amazing. They're seeing the thunderings. This is exactly the Hebrew word, kolot. They're seeing sounds, thunderings. How do you see thunder? I can hear it. But God said here in Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, that they, in, in verse 18, that they saw it. They saw the sound of the shofar. <laughs> what does that look like? It's not only hearing, but seeing. On top of that, when we take a look at the word kolot, which can be translated as thunderings, Strong's Numbers H6963, it also means voices. So in other words, if you're saying, oh, those people speak several languages, they probably would use the word, they speak several kolot, okay, not thunderings, but voices. Actually, in a better sense, the Bible uses the word tongues. Oh, those people speak in several tongues. <laughs> that, that could be a better way of actually reading it. Languages and tongues are synonymous basically, in the Hebrew. You guys, when we do that, are, is the Bible saying they saw the voices of God? That God was speaking in tongues? That the people saw his word? Saw the language he was speaking in? They saw his tongues? They heard him and they saw his words? But you guys, this reminds us of Pentecost. We go to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And we read, And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise, like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues, as of tongues, as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now this is interesting. We read about tongues as a fire. Now the Greek word there is glossa, which is G1100, or glossia. And glossia can mean one of two things. A tongue, that's the thing that's in your mouth, or a language. It, it, it's a language. That's what the Bible is saying. So we're looking at tongues of fire, and you say, wait a minute, that's associated with languages of fire? That, that That's amazing. And so, but the next sentence, they spoke in tongues. The same word is used in the next sentence. Glossia, G1100. And so you can kind of sit back and say, Luke, why are you using this word? You might take a look at it and say thousands there at that Pentecost, they saw fire voices, fire tongues that settled on the disciples. The thousands there heard voices as well. This is interesting. 
is Luke trying to connect that Pentecost with what we read at Sinai? Is he trying to show us the connection to the giving of the Ten Commandments? There are some amazing connections here, you guys. Pentecost, he in Hebrew, Shavuot. Pentecost is 50 in the Greek. Shavuot in Hebrew means weeks. So it's 50 days or 7 weeks plus a day, 49 days plus 1. Pentecost, according to the Torah, is 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. You start counting on the day, that Sunday, the first day of the week when Jesus rose from the dead, number 1. And when you get to 50, you get to Pentecost. Now we've already seen that God gave his Ten Commandments 50 days after the first Passover. This is what the Hebrew strongly suggests. These are two awesome, unbelievable events. Incomprehensible. Amazing wonders. Amazing miracles. It's sad for me that the church today doesn't really do God's feast, namely Shavuot, Pentecost. It's not a big deal. But why? As one pastor friend of mine said, John, we're just not connected to that culture anymore. We're in the modern culture and we're so far removed from those days to understand what it really meant. That's true. But the thing is, is that you can learn the celebration. You can teach this for several weeks before Shavuot, and boy, you could have a praise and blessing service on Shavuot, different than what the Jewish people do, to remember the amazing plan that God had of connecting Sinai and Pentecost. Again, you can go to the website, and as I said before, look for other resources and then... Uh, podcast playlists and look for the exodus one look for exodus lesson 46 part one lesson 46 has multiple parts to it so go to uh exodus the exodus playlist lesson 46 part one and here's where you will see in this lesson that the ten commandments were given on day 50 after passover and the coming of the holy spirit was on day 50 as commanded by the Lord. You can also check out the four Bible studies on Pentecost or Shavuot. It's called the Feast of Shavuot. That's the playlist. And so the amazing connections that God made. Later on, the rabbis made the connection. They began to see that indeed, that somehow Pentecost... Not just the Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, but Pentecost all the time was connected to the giving of the Aserit Hadevari and the Ten Statements, the Ten Commandments at Sinai. So check out those other lessons, which will enhance your study even right now. So with regards to Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, I want you to notice that it's only it's not just Moses that is hearing God. It's not just Moses that saw God's voices, 
saw the thunderings, saw the sounds of the shofar. It's all the people. And as we saw in Isaiah 42.6 and 49.6, all Israel is going to be a light to the nations, not just one person. They're all Yahweh's witnesses. They're all the Lord's people to go to the ends of the earth to tell of their experience, to tell them about God's salvation, about God's Yeshua. Now this implies to me that if this is what Israel is supposed to do, they're the descendants of Abraham coming from the promises of Abraham. And now they're at Sinai, they receive the covenant of God, the Sinai covenant, which basically is summarized in the Ten Commandments, the Aseret HaDevarim, the Ten Statements. And God tells them that they are to be the witnesses, God's witnesses, to the whole world. This suggests to me that the Ten Commandments in all of this is not just for the Hebrews. God seems to be suggesting that this is for everyone, Jews and Gentiles alike. Now when we read in Exodus chapter 20, verse 19, then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but let let not God speak to us or we will die. Now it's clearly the people were afraid. Now this makes sense. They, they saw God's voices. They saw that God spoke in tongues and they saw his words. <laughs> I think we'd be afraid if we saw the words coming out of God's mouth, if we heard the sounds of a shofar. I mean, we'd see things that we'd go ballistic. Now, in Genesis 20, 20, God, Moses says, don't be afraid, because God is just doing to test you. Test? What? Wait a minute, what's the test? Um, you remember that one of the scholars that I like accessing is Dennis Prager. He is a religious Jewish man, but he has written his Torah commentaries, the Rational Bible Exodus, the Rational Bible Genesis, the Rational Bible Deuteronomy. All three of those volumes are out, two more coming. And he's written it not only for the Jewish people practicing Judaism, but also for Gentiles, for Christians. We share the same Bible. And so Dennis Prager is always looking at the Bible and said, here's the word test. Why is that there? That's one of the things that I learned from Dennis. A writer uses certain specific words. Why? It's just like we addressed in, in, in the book of Acts. Luke is using a specific word. Tongues as a fire. Tongues normally is going to mean, yeah, yeah, tongue in your mouth for certainly, but it normally means a language. Because in the next sentence, Luke uses the word glossia for, for a language. Is Luke trying somehow to give us a picture that we're seeing God's word? We're seeing the tongues that he spoke? It's amazing. So test. Why is the word test there? 
for Dennis Prager and myself, I have checked other scholars and few address this. I've looked at many, but I think the rabbis in their Torah commentary called the Chumash, they probably have the most reasonable view of this idea of test. So reading their commentary, Moses reassured them, saying that God did not wish to take their lives. Rather, he had made them participants in these monumental miracles. And monumental miracles, remember, they saw thunderings or they saw tongues, saw voices, saw the sounds of the shofar besides heard them. That That's amazing. To elevate them and to show them firsthand his awesomeness that memory would become part of the eternal legacy of Israel and it would help prevent them from sinning. Now this is done by the great rabbi of Judaism, Rashi, or Rabbi Shlomo Yitzhaki. Uh, again, his nickname is Rashi. And you can hear that, Rabbi Shlomo, the S-H, the I, the Yitzhaki. And he was a, a great rabbi in the... Uh, Days that he lived in 1040 through 1105 AD. Now, Rashi, what he's basically saying, it's not a test, but God did this to show himself so that they would remember. Here's another rabbi. This is Rambam, Maimonides, another just amazing great rabbi of Judaism from 1138 to 1204 AD. And he talks about, and his name was Moses ben Memon or the nickname Rambam. He says, according to others, the sense of this testing is really not a test, but it's the revealing of the true greatness to them that God would be able to test them in the future to see if they would be able to resist the lures of false prophets. But if they had never seen the truth, seen the truth, that's very interesting, they could be too easily deceived. Alternatively, the test would be whether, now that they have seen God's greatness firsthand, that they would resist the normal human temptation to sin, or whether they would serve God unselfishly like a royal servant, whose interest is what is best for the master, not for oneself. Now the Hebrew word for test is nasa. The Strong's number is H5254. And it's interesting because the idea of the Hebrew word, the conceptual idea, is testing or proving. So we can reread the verse that, that Moses is saying, God is trying to prove something to you. Not test, but to prove something to you. This is what the rabbis are saying. This is what Rashi is saying. This is what Rambam is saying. And this proving is to prove his existence, his awesomeness, his power, and to create Yera in his people. Yera, Strong's number, H3374, can be interpreted as fear, like you fear the dark, or you fear going on a roller coaster, you have a fear of heights, or awe, you're in awe of God. 
So you see a beautiful sunset and you're in awe of the beauty. I think it's both. To fear God and to be in awe of Him. To in awe, be in awe of His power, His might, His grace, His loving kindness. But also to be in fear. Look what He did to the Egyptians. God is going to judge sin and He is a God that shows His wrath. And all of this is to prevent Israel from sinning. Rashi and Rambam's thoughts and the Hebrew don't suggest a test, but it suggests a proving. This makes more sense. For us, this could be part of a celebrating Shavuot or Pentecost in the church every year to remember the awesomeness of God. God coming down to us in Acts chapter 2. And how that Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is a shadow, a shadow of the Lord coming down on Sinai in Exodus chapter 20. Both instances were dealing with the mountain of God. You can read about that, and I've done this in, in previous lessons in Exodus. Mount Sinai is called the mountain of God, and also the temple mount in Jerusalem is called the mountain of God. <laughs> Amazing. And the outcome is unique. It's Yeshua. This ends part one on these specific Bible verses, Exodus chapter 20, verses 18 through 26. So I will see you in part two as we continue on with these amazing verses that God spoke to Israel and Moses after he's given the Asrit Hadevrim, the Ten Statements or the Ten Commandments. Until part two, Shalom.